heaven.
In Psalm chapter 8, we had some keywords I was speaking about the last two Sundays. And let me just refer what I'm saying to you. In Psalm 8, verse number 3, it says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, etc. And the word consider has been in my head for a few more days. Consider. Now, because this is the season of Christmas, I want you to consider something about Christmas. I want you to consider the Christ of Christmas. I want you to consider the Christ of Christmas. And so I will give you three things today to consider about the Christ of Christmas. They all begins with E. The first one is his existence. Number two, his exploits. And number three, his expectation. So consider means to think something, think about something seriously. Now, you know, I know how you are because I know how I am. We hear something, we see something, it just goes here and goes here. Okay? And we see things every day, hundreds of things every day. And we don't think too much about some things because to us it's not that important. Well, when, for example, when you listen to the news, what do you think about? Do you consider what you're listening to, what you're seeing? I'll give you a couple examples here. Headlines I've actually seen. Headlines. Listen to this one. Lions escape zoo enclosure. Lions escape zoo enclosure. Now, what do you think when you hear that? What do you consider when you hear that? That headline. When you read that headline. Lions got out. Lions got out. Then you're thinking, you should think, what if I was there in the vicinity? What if my kids were there in the vicinity? What if my kids had gone to a school or on a field trip and they're at the zoo and the lions got out of the enclosure? So we think about certain things, we consider something when we are exposed to things. Here's another one. What to know about mistletoe? That's the headline. What to know about mistletoe? That's real. Here's another one. What happens to your body when you eat chocolate every day? That's a headline. What do you think about? What do you consider? You know what I think about? My body's happy. <laughs> I eat chocolate every day. My body's happy. Thank you. Thank you for getting me chocolate. That's what it says here. Here's another headline. A little bit more serious. Dallas Morning News. Now, I'm trying to explain to you, consider some things that you see and that you hear. Because most of us just don't think about things. Some things are not so important. Some things are very important. Consider this news event or this headline. Dallas Morning News, 12-8. 12-8. Brittany Griner back home in U.S. after Russia prisoner swap. Ooh. Well, that got my attention. Quote, Brittany Griner, exchange for notorious arms dealer Victor Bout, achieved a top goal for President Joe Biden. But the U.S. failed to win freedom for another American, Paul Whelan who has been jailed for four years. I'm surprised that the Dallas Morning News printed that. So when I read that, when you read that, what do you consider? What do you think about? Are you just saying, oh, this is good? Are you saying something? Are you thinking something else? I'm trying to get you to think about thinking about things that are important to think about. As the world says, you feel me? No, don't feel me. I don't, I'm not gonna feel you, but do you understand what that expression is about? Do you understand? Do you see? Uh, listen to this headline. Huge eruption of lava and ash were ejected, forming columns that recorded 5,000 feet in the air. 
Government officials issue the highest level of alert for the eruption. Now, what do you think that's talking about? I'll read that again to you, the headline. Huge eruption of lava and ash were ejected, forming columns that reached 5,000 feet in the air. Government officials issued the highest level of alert for the eruption. Is your mind thinking about Mauna Loa? You, your mind would go there, wouldn't it? But that's not Mauna Loa. That's in a place uh, in Indonesia, Mount Semeru, not here. But your mind should be thinking about some things when you read and hear things. Most of you are going like this. You first thought about eruption, you first connected to Mauna Loa. By the way, by the way, quote, headline, how to watch Mauna Loa live. Now, right now it's kind of petered out, not much going on, but how to watch Mauna Loa live. Headline, USGS webcam is one mile away. Quote, there is, someone says this, there is something oddly relaxing about watching a live volcano. Moments are spectacular, just amazing. Quote, that's what somebody says about watching a lava eruption. Now, do you consider what that may be about? Lava, flow, lava. Does that make you think about something else? Does it make you consider about something a little bit more serious than just it's so, it's so spectacular? See, our minds have been conditioned not to think about serious things. But when I, when Nathan was a small boy, we were making a hibachi. Listen to this one. We're making a, we had a little hibachi going and it got red hot, you know? It gets to the point of being red hot, so happy. It got red hot. And Nathan's little boy, he looked at that. He said to himself, listen to this one now. He said this to himself. I heard him. He said, ooh, that reminds me of hell. Little boy, not even knowing what he's thinking about. He said, ooh, that reminds me of hell. Oh, but no, when you see a live volcano, oh, so spectacular, just amazing, so relaxing. I don't know what's relaxing about being forced to put your hand on a hibachi that's red hot. That's not pleasant. Imagine your whole body being cast into hellfire. So we don't consider some things that are important. I hope you understand where I'm coming from, okay? I'm not a Scrooge where I take away all your happiness. But we need to consider some things about Christmas. Okay? Everybody know where I'm going? Yeah. Consider the Christ of Christmas. Now, first of all, his... I want you to consider his... Oh, by the way, one more headline. i got to tell you this one. I was talking to Carmen about this. Uh, she works at Walmart downtown and all the theft that goes on. Listen to this one. Large retailers suffer nearly... Listen to this number. Retailers, large retailers are suffering this kind of loss. You see that? That's what the B. $100 billion. They're suffering that and they're seeing it rise too. This is according to the National Retail Federation. And according to the same survey, 80% of retailers have reported violence and aggression associated with retail theft increased the past year. Home Depot expressed outrage after an 83-year-old worker was pushed down, injured by a man with a cart carrying out boxes of Ryobi 
power washer and other equipment. He's walking on the bit of him, walking out, and the guy says, hey, did you pay for that? The guy just shoved him down onto the concrete. He got injured, hospitalized. I think two weeks later, he died from the injuries. The guy was probably a senior citizen, wanted to make a few extra bucks in his retirement. He gets shoved down by a thief who was brazenly going out with a cart full of equipment from Home Depot. We just don't think these things are affecting everything else, but um, ex-Home Depot CEO warns the retail theft is epidemic into the Christmas rush. The degree of severity now is just not theft, it's smash and grab, he said. There's an entitlement out there that if you don't, if you have it, you've worked hard to earn it, I want it, I'm gonna get it, I'm gonna take it. I think I see that going back to protest in the last campaign season, 2020, where people were breaking the law, destroying public and government property, and people going into stores, being allowed to take out the $900 of stuff, don't touch them, don't approach them, let them go. That kind of mentality makes people who have no character want to take more and more. And now it's, see, things, things tend to start good and then spirals down, gets worse and worse and worse. That's human nature. And so I'm thinking, I'm concerning about all these headlines and I'm, I'm just thinking to myself, we are not in a good place spiritually, morally. We're not in a good place as a country because people have lost a sense of God. They don't consider the, the punishment God can exact on people for breaking his laws because they get away with it. And getting away with it makes you want to do more and more and more and more. First you take a candy bar and then you take something else that's more of, of more value. I'm grateful that I got busted when I was a kid stealing candy and comic books as a boy in elementary school. I got busted at Foodland. Confession. <laughs> Foodland in Kanyoi. My friend was looking out. He said, okay. And I knew I was going to steal. I knew I was going to steal. And I shoved that box of candy down my pants and I walked out the store like this so that my shirt would hang down so you wouldn't see the bulge. And as I got to the front door, that manager, I remember his face to this day. This is another elementary kid. He's a, he looked like Dennis the Menace's father, but he was Japanese. Skinny tie, white shirt at the front. When you came out of the food line checkout, the, the manager's little desk right there and then you go left to go out the door. Well, I got to this, I stole from the back of, this, of the store, but I didn't realize that the double doors with the, the beef, the, the, um, the meat parts, the in and out, they had little windows over there. Well, this man must have looked out and saw me stuffing down my pants. And, well, I didn't know that. I thought I was getting away with it again. And so I got busted on the way out. It's so embarrassing, so, so scary. And probably the rule is, you get away with one thing, you get away with another thing, you keep getting more brave and so on and so on, at least the major felonies now, not just minor kind, not petty theft. They, 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 it, and so when you get busted, you fear getting busted again. But a lot of people here, they are emboldened because of policy or because they feel like they're entitled and they keep doing more. So headlines, what do you think about? Well, here's the first thing you should think about when it comes to Christmas. When it comes to Christmas, consider the Christ of Christmas, consider this. Consider his beginnings. Consider his existence. Uh, do you know that when Jesus was born, 
whenever he was born. Whenever he was born. Whenever he was born, people think that's when he began to exist. Now, what is the tradition of day in which Jesus is recognized as his birth? Now, you have to be careful not to get hyper over the date, the season in which he was born. Likely he was not born in December, which would be winter, because when he was born, the shepherds were somewhere. They were out in the fields watching their flock by night. It's not likely that they'd be out in wintertime watching their flock of sheep by night. But maybe fall, maybe even late fall, where it's not that cold. So there's speculation about the exact date in which he was born. Now don't get hyper and don't get don't get extreme about this. People will say, oh, I can prove to you it wasn't December 25th. Well, we can prove that too. Therefore, because it wasn't December 25th, everything about Christmas on December 25th is, is pagan, heathen, non-Christian. You should not participate in Christmas. That's what some people say. No Christmas presents, no Christmas tree, no lights, no happy, no friends, no family, no love, no sharing, no gifts, no nothing. Because this is day is a pagan day. And you can prove that. However, are you not glad Jesus was born? <laughs> it's crazy how extreme people can get, even Christians. So don't get extreme. Getting extreme would be on one side, no Christmas, no celebration, no happy, no, nothing, 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 no being nice, nothing at all. On the other side of things, overdue, 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 the Christmas gift by, overdue. So there's extremes about that too. One thing we do know is that Jesus was born. Consider his beginning. Not, it was not his beginning when he was born. Before that took place, yes. Now, the verses that you use to prove and to understand that he lived, existed before he was born, is John chapter 17, verse number 5. I'll read it to you. Uh, this is Jesus praying to his Father in heaven. And you and I, reading the Bible, are doing this. We're doing this. We are eavesdropping in John 17, Jesus praying to his Father in heaven. We're eavesdropping. We have the Bible. We know some things that he said because we have the Bible. And as we listen to Jesus, the Bible says this, John records, These words spake Jesus, John 17, verse number 1, and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this life is in Christ, whom thou hast sent. Watch this, verse 4. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Verse 5. And now, O Father, Glorify thou me with thine own self, with the He's telling you, and he's, he's telling us from what he is saying to his Father, I existed with you, Father, before everything was created. So Jesus' existence was before the manger, before the birth in Bethlehem, before that in the first century, okay? Understand that. His existence, the Christ of Christmas, existed before he became a man. Okay? Amen. Do not make the mistake that some may make that he began when he was born. No. Now listen to John 1. In the beginning, in the beginning, sometime, sometime before creation, in the beginning, sometime in the beginning, 
was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All right, so God was in the beginning before everything was made. We have that here. Now, in John chapter 8, it says the Jews are accusing Jesus of being a bad man, a false teacher, um, and they're accusing him of, of being a heretic. You're going against our father's tradition. They're accusing him of this. They're saying to Jesus, you're not, you're not, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. You, you say, no, you cannot be, you cannot be, you cannot be the son of God. And then he says this, Jesus says, your father Abraham, whom they respect, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day that I came. And he saw it and was glad. Then said the Jews unto him, thou art not so 50 years, you're, thou art not yet 50 years, and hast thou seen Abraham? And Jesus said unto them, Very, very, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. You know what he told the Jews who said that you are an illegitimate child? You're born out of wedlock. You're not, you're not a real, no, you're bad. He said, Before Abraham was, Abraham lived hundreds and Abraham lived thousands of years before this event in John chapter 8. He said, Before Abraham walked the earth, whom you, you respect and love. And he says, Before Abraham was on earth, I am. I am existing before Abraham was. Amen. And when they heard that, they understood what he meant. You know what they did? Here's what they did when they heard that. Then took the up stones to cast at him. You know what that means? They found rocks and they wanted to throw it at him. With what intent? To stone him to death for blasphemy. For saying he is the son of God when he's just a man, a carpenter's son. That is what they were doing because they understood clearly what he meant. So let's back up. What did Jesus say? Before Abraham was, I am. Meaning I existed before Abraham ever existed. Hundreds, thousands of years before you Jews. Here's the first century. And when they heard that, they knew exactly, exactly what he meant. And so they got so upset with him because these men were the guardians of the Jewish faith. They pride themselves on being right. Here's a man saying, I am equal to God. Now, they know there's only one true God. Anyone who says that they are God, that's blasphemy. They're worthy of death. So they picked up rocks to throw at him. Now, they weren't all left-handers, but if they were, they'd be perfect. <laughs> Sorry, but if you're right-handed, you're kind of inferior. And then the Bible says he just vanished out of their sight. So just miraculously just went right through them. Where'd he go? Well, remember, he's the son of God. He's also God. He can do things like that. Anyway, you want to learn. He said before everyone was. And so his existence was not when he was born in Bethlehem. He lived way before in eternity, before everything was created. And so how dare you couldn't do something like God? Well, he didn't dare anything because he was just telling the truth. You know, it's funny how sometimes people react to the truth. Have you noticed how people react to the truth in a funny way? Hello? Well, it's in California. Hello? Hello? You know how people react to the truth sometimes? Some say, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, thanks for telling me. And then other people say, nah, that's urban legend. And then other people say, other people say, you know, that's just your opinion. You know, different reactions to the truth. But remember this. The truth is the truth. And even if the messenger is flawed, because they're not Chinese, 
They still are telling the truth. Even a liar can tell the truth if he's just repeating what somebody said, the truth. So you don't discover the truth because you don't like what it says. As a matter of fact, here's what I'm going to tell you. According to the scriptures, people who rejected what Jesus said and Jesus himself is because he offended them, not because he was offensive, used bad words, was harsh. No, no. It's because he told the truth and they were not doing the truth and they were guilty of it. It's like looking at a mirror. Now, folks, when you get up this morning, did you look in the mirror? I did. Here's a famous tennis player. She's now 20 years old. She's number one in the rankings for the Women's Tennis Association. There's men and women rankings. Oh, it's funny to me how there's men and women tennis um, uh, uh, groupings. Men champion, women champion. It's never going to change. I hope they don't change it. But this young girl, I can't even pronounce her name. She's from Poland, maybe. Uh, but anyway, uh, Inga I know what I'm not, it's what it looks like. I'm not pronouncing right. So Inga, she's number one. She's only 20. Now, they they praise her. They give her all kinds of money for winning. She's a great champion. She's won so many games since last 2022. She's number one in the ranking, which is a big deal in tennis. And she says this when she's interviewed. Now watch this. She says, my idols, my heroes, those who were before me, um, I look at them. I've learned so much from them. They were, they were classy. They were honorable. They were humble. And uh, they were great people who played the sport of tennis. She says, uh, when I look at myself in the mirror, here's what, listen, when I look at myself in the mirror, here's what she says. When I look at myself in the mirror, I see a mess. <laughs> you know what she's really saying? She's really saying, I'm just nobody. People say I'm great, but I know what I am every day. I'm just a female who can play tennis. Been given some gifts from God to play. That's all it is. He says, I am not great. And so this is humility. This is good. Now, uh, they accused him of that. And the truth sometimes makes you feel uncomfortable. But what would you rather have told you? What would you rather have told you? Now, let's consider. The word is consider. Let's think about this. What would you rather have told you? You go to the doctor. The doctor happens to be a doctor that you really like. Like I do. I have a great PCP. But he's very honest with me. And he tells me the truth. But he's very tactful. He's got really good bedside manner, as they call it. He's very good. He looks at me. He examines me. He looks at my blood work. Every time I go after I do blood work, he examines that, the cholesterol, the HDL, LDL, everything, you know, uh, GFR and ABC, CD, AB, NBC, CBS, MSNBC. He looks at all those little numbers. He explains them to me. One, every time I go, one at a time. And then my wife, she comes with me to listen so I don't forget what I'm hearing. Or if she's not there, she's on the speakerphone. And the doctor allowed me to have her listen so that he can explain to her. She can ask questions I don't think about. And he tells him the truth. He said, now these numbers are here. Uh, this number should be a little bit higher. And this number here should be a little bit lower. HDL should be up. LDL should be down. Well, thank God both, the, both those numbers are in a good place right now. Very good, very good, very good. He thinks it's because I'm eating like he said. It's not because. It's because of the chocolate that I eat. No. I'm kidding you about that, but I'm not so kidding about that. But but uh, the numbers are good, and it's trending in the right direction. The kidney numbers, the, all these kind of things. And then he said, now, you need to watch this, you need to watch this. He says the same thing all the time because he's been truth with me. 
Now I leave the office, and as I leave the office, I shake his hand, I tell him this. I say, thank you, doctor. You're the best because you tell me the truth. He says, well, I'm a doctor. I have an oath to uphold. I said, I understand that, so do I. I said, I appreciate you because you're honest with me and with your patients. You make time for us, you're honest with me, and you tell me the truth. I said, I need that and I appreciate that. That's my attitude. Your attitude should be the same when it comes to the Bible. You should not say, oh no. This is how we are. I'm kind of getting off track here, but I'm not getting too much off track. Let's say, um, if you're guilty of ABCD. Let's say guilty of ABCD, okay? ABCD could be anything. I'm not gonna say because you might think I'm picking on you, but I don't know everything. I don't know a lot of things actually. So when you hear me preach and teach, and it, I mention something that's connected to the scripture, it is not because I know something about you. It's just because it's connected to what the Bible is saying. Fair enough? Fair enough. So let's say you're guilty of smoking or drinking or whatever. I have no idea. Hopefully nobody's doing things that harmful to your own cells. But I have no idea. It is not my business to know everything about you. Surprise. It is my business to tell you what the Bible says, and hopefully you make application to what it says. It's for your benefit. It's for your good. Not for your good. And you hear something and you, that you're guilty of. Um, one time, there's a brother, a man whose brother was um, living with someone. They're not married. And there's a, a tough way of saying what they're doing, but no need to tell you. And I was teaching through the Ten Commandments. Okay, well, thou shalt not commit adultery. Well, that leads to many other things to say from the Bible about, about morality and adultery, fornication, things like living together without being married. And so I have no idea that his brother was doing that. Well, this guy, who's a Christian guy, after church, he says, uh, his brother came to church. And so uh, after church, this guy, this brother says, this guy says, uh, my brother's mad at you. And I'm thinking, mad at me? Nobody gets mad at me. <laughs> me? <laughs> I said, why? He said, because he, and he said, and my brother's mad at me, the, the guy who brought him to church. He said, because he thinks, my brother thinks he told me about him. And so I taught on the Ten Commandments because he knows about me. I said, I get it. I said, of course, you know. I don't even know. He said, I know. I know. It's my brother. It's him. It's him. It's him. He's guilty. He's feeling guilty. So he's mad at you because he's guilty. He didn't like being confronted by the truth. Not by someone, but by the truth. Now, folks, you have to realize that the Jews were offended at Jesus because he said the truth. Today, the same thing can happen to you if you're going to if you're going to be defensive about your particular sins. Or anything that you're going to do wrong or hoping to do wrong or contemplating. You cannot, you cannot get angry at the Bible or at God or anybody who's telling the truth because you are guilty of it. Make sense? Okay. I can go on now. So the existence of Jesus Christ, the Christ of Christmas, you must remember that he existed before uh, he was born. So he is God. He was God in the flesh. Immutable, unchangeable, 
the same yesterday, today, and forever. So he always was in eternity, the Son of God, God, but he became a man. He, he condescended to become a man for you and for me, for our benefit, for our salvation, to reach us. And so intervention is what that's called. I'm kind of getting ahead of myself because my third point, uh, the third point, which would be, um, let's see, exploits is not in a bad way, but number three is expectation. On this point here, when I talk about intervention, he came to this world for us. I have read headlines recently, I read some to you at the beginning of the lesson today. There are examples of people who parachute out of airplanes, and usually it's a safe activity, they say. But do you know that sometimes lines get tangled? There's a, 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 a woman with a helmet and a camera, one of those GoPro things. She jumps out of the airplane, she's a veteran, and she falls to the ground. She pulls her ripcord for the parachute to come up. It comes out, but her lines get tangled. And the video is of her falling to the ground to her death, and she's screaming, and she's tangled in the wires, like in the in the, the line, like she's, and she's trying, she's turning over. It's like, and it's a hopeless thing because the more she turns, the more she gets tangled. And she's saying this, "Oh God, oh God, oh God." She is falling to her death. The camera is recording a person dying. She needed intervention. Now I'll tell you another good story about intervention. Parachuting story again, I've said it many times over the years. Guy jumps out, pulls his ripcord, doesn't open. The, the coach, he sees that, he jumps out. He dives down toward this student. He dives like that, he, he tucks like this, puts his head down to get more speed and he goes down like a bullet. He comes down and the miracle number one is that he caught up to the guy while he's falling. He catches up and he grabs him I was gonna say, let me demonstrate this. <laughs> Caleb, can I borrow you Caleb for a minute? Caleb, please, come Caleb, come. Come Caleb. Caleb, you are the one in the parachute that jumped out front. <laughs> come here Caleb, stand right here. Okay, I'd like to get this on the camera, okay? Which means I can't get on the camera at this time. It's okay, good. So he is, can you make like you're doing this? Can you do this like, help? <laughs> okay, so and I, I dive toward him. Miracle number one. I grab him. I grab him like this. I catch him. We hit. There's a thud. We're still falling. And then I pull my ripcord. No, stay down. I pull my ripcord and mine opens. We both land safe to the ground. Okay. At the end of this, this is the news article. Okay. The Newsweek article shows the trainer, helmet off, he just landed, picture was taken, he's there still in his gear, he's standing like this. The mustache, he's happy as can be. What happened there was what Jesus did for us. Because of sin, we're falling to our death spiritually uh, in the lake of fire. But then he came, in human history, and it intervened 
It's called the cross. And he died, shed his blood, and that enabled him, in a real sense, to get us from falling down. His intervention. This woman did not have intervention. There's more stories like that. Tragic. But let me go, go on and say his exploits. His exploits. Number two, the Christ of Christmas, his exploits, the things that he has done, the things that he has accomplished on earth, and even before he came to earth. Number one, John 1 3. All things are made by him. Now, I'll just give you the reference. All things are made by him, by Jesus Christ. Creation. John 1 10. He was in the world, and the world was made by him. The world was made by him. The world was made by him. Everything is made by him. Now, that's a great exploit in a good way. There's a man, you've seen his, his artwork. You've seen this, I am pretty sure, everywhere. It's a giant wave. Have you seen that block print? It's a giant wave. This one that's going on to Waikiki on the right side, it's a giant wave. It's called the wave. Listen to this. This wave, the great wave is what it's called, is a series of woodblock prints called 36 Views of Mount Fuji. Mount Fuji, you know, looks like this. Mount Fuji? In all of those woodblock prints that this guy made, 30 of them, there's Mount Fuji somewhere in the background. It's a tribute to Mount Fuji. Here's the thing that's interesting to me. The artist, the woodblock cutting artist, who is a printmaker, painter, and book illustrator, produced in his life, here's his name, Hokusai Katsushika. Say that five times real fast. <laughs> he is the artist in the 19th century who made the woodblock prints uh, in his lifetime, listen to this. This is amazing to me. This is about exploits. He made this many prints, artwork. 30,000 in 20 years. That's about 1,500 a year of artwork. That's a lot. I don't know if you ever ate or slept. Just ate musubi and hot tea or something. Udon noodles. <laughs> but that famous painting made by this man Hokusai, great exploits. Jesus Christ, originator, author, the idea, the execution, and the upholding of his artwork, the universe, by him. That's great exploits as the creator of the universe. That's awesome. Now, in Colossians chapter 1, it says this, all things are created by him and for him. By him and for him. Made by him, Jesus, and for him. You know what that means? That means his creation was made for the purpose of glorifying the one who made him. When you see a great art painting, a uh, painting or great piece of art, for example, Michelangelo, great sculptor, painter, and all that, whenever people see something that he made, they say, what a great artist he was. Okay, fine, sure. When you see God's handiwork, you say, what a great God he is. Uh, forget Mother Nature. Forget Mother Nature. Forget uh, evolution. God made everything. And when you see creation, you should say, what a great God that made all of this. Look at yourself. Say, what a great God that made me. What a great God has done great things for us. Um, his expectation then, number three, his expectation 
that's oh more to that but his, his expectation of us who consider the Christ of Christmas here's the expectation you're not going to be surprised at what he expects of you I'll, I'll give you a little hint here you're not going to be surprised you're going to say to yourself yeah I kind of thought that mm -hmm. yeah I was, I was suspecting that back in my head uh -huh, I knew that was coming you're going to say yeah yeah there's no surprise here because here's what he expects out of us out of you number three uh, turn to Psalm chapter uh, 33. Psalm chapter 33. So we just saw that he created all things. It's for him. It's by him. But then we have an expectation that we are seeing that he has on you and me. Psalm 33, verses number 6 through 9. By the word of the Lord. Now, the answer to the question, how did he make everything? Here's the answer. Have you ever wondered how God made everything? Here's the answer. Psalm 33, verse number 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth what is he saying here now can you imagine you are a chef and you have your wok and you have your whatever you got the gas stove and you just look at the ingredients you got the meat you got the pork you got the veg you got all these things just look at all the stuff and you just say okay and it's done wouldn't that be awesome go to a restaurant your meal gets served right away in the kitchen the chef just does this uh, teriyaki beef well done it's done okay um, steak filet mignon uh, no rare all well done potatoes baked potato like that can you imagine how great that restaurant would be and the chef would be so credited and so honored and so almost worshipped because he could speak things into existence wouldn't that be great if you had pizza, brick oven pizza made in a second? Put all the toppings you want on that thing and just, it's all done. You'd have so much business, you'd have to build a restaurant the size of the Aloha Stadium. You know what the Lord did? He spoke things into existence. Mars. Earth. Third from the sun. Okay. And he places it all in order. Can you imagine that? The power? Man. He spoke things into existence out of nothing. Now, if you're a scientist type of person, you say, how can that be? I knew you'd say that because how can you understand what God did? Your brain does not compute. It does not process. We see creation from idea to blueprint to production to samples to uh, test market, and then, and then it's over there in the stores now, okay? We see a process, but you know what God did? He says, universe. Can't explain that. Alpha Centauri, nearest star. What? Sun, 93 million miles away from Earth. Venus, Mars, Jupiter. Just like that. And then man, dust of the Earth. Amazing. So, his exploits lead me to say that there are expectations that God has on his creation. 
if all things are made to glorify him, wouldn't you be included in that bunch? You're part of this world. He made you. You are made to glorify the one who made us. And if a person is living for himself, glorifying himself, you are far short of the God's intent for you to live in this world. Now, we worship athletes and entertainers. This just part of our DNA seems like it's not a good thing but it's like that we worship the stars of this world we look up to them we idolize them I met three men from Kaneohe they're going to San Francisco last week Thursday they're going to go to San Francisco three guys in the mid 30s they're going to go to San Francisco I said I just guessed um, riding cable cars they said no I said I, I'm going to guess going to see a football game yeah I want to see the 49ers play and then they said, after that, we're going to see another game in Vegas, see the Raiders play. I said, wow, big trips? Yeah, going to have a lot of fun. Going to drink a lot. Going to have a lot of fun. They just worship and idolize football. It's like they are expected to do these things because they are fans of the 49ers and the Raiders. And it's the lifestyle that they have. They're all Castle grads in the mid 30s you're gonna have a good time well they think that but God made you and me to not just have a good time in life and don't make the mistake to think that if you're a Christian you cannot have a good time in life but you know not in certain forms you can have a full and abundant life without doing a lot of things that's wrong all right you don't have to get caught up a lot of things to say oh this was great what a great thing oh so great so great you spent a lot of money you have a hangar and all these kind of things. Oh, it was so great, but now you're $5,000 poor because you had a good time. That's not a good time. That's a stupid time. Somebody say amen to that. Amen. You know, New Year's Eve, fireworks, that's an example of having a stupid time. People spend all kinds of money. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, so great. Oh, yeah. Oh, thank you, Grandpa. Oh, thank you, Mom. Oh, thank you. Oh, so great. Oh. Until you get your visa bill. You're going to end up paying for Christmas and New Year's up through April to pay that balance down. Now, I'm exaggerating, but you understand the, the principle here. You're not made to just indulge in this world. You're made to glorify your God. And so, let me read again. I need to hurry here. Verse number seven. He gathereth, Psalm 33, seven. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as a heap. He led up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth, here comes verse number 8, let all the earth fear the Lord, the earth that God made, let all the earth fear the Lord, for uh, uh, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. Look at, I want you to look at your Bible if you can, and if you can mark it somehow, circle it, each verse here in Psalm 33, later on maybe highlight it so you never forget these scriptures. Let all the earth fear the Lord, that all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Stand in awe of him. Stand in awe of him. Oh, I have to ask this question, okay? You know how the Bible is? It tells you something. It educates you. It reveals things to you, spiritual truth. And then you are confronted with that spiritual truth. He says, after you know that God did all these things, stand in awe of him. Don't just say, oh, it's all right, that's all right. Anybody can do that. Is that right? 
then in all, um, there's going to be there's going to be people today that are standing in awe of the great catch, or the long pass, or the great run, or something like that. People are going to be standing in awe. Yeah, we have people down our neighborhood. They get so excited about these Super Bowls and things like that. You can hear them blocks away, literally. They're standing in awe. Okay, in context, it's great to achieve certain things. There's nothing wrong with that. Don't misunderstand, but shouldn't there be someone that you're standing all about and over above everyone else? If there's a man or a thing that makes you stand in awe and God is like that, then you have a real spiritual problem. Let me illustrate this. Now, who's bigger? We stand in awe of the athlete, the entertainer, the wealthy, the whatever. We stand in awe of these people. Where is God in this picture? We, we stand in awe of God sometimes. Sometimes we stand in awe of God. But boy, he's coming to town. I go by the Blaisdell. They have this marquee. Somebody's going to come this date, some comedian or some entertainer. Oh, he gets packed out. People are standing in awe of another man. But God, who made you, made me, made everything, who lets you live, nice. God will give you life, give you a brain. Now, would you do something for me, and really for yourself? Would you do this? Get, get one of your fingers. Just play with me, please, elementary class. <laughs> do this. Tap until you hear a knocking sound. Okay? Do you feel something there? Now, look at me like this, and do this. Look left, look right. Look up, look down. Now do this, and exhale, okay? Could you do that? Thank God that you can. Can you do this, do that? Thank God that you can. Can you say in your head, one plus one is 11? <laughs> I didn't say it's true, I just said, can you say it in your head? One plus one is 11? Can you function up here? You have to thank God for that. And stand in awe that you are existing, and not just existing, but you are, you're functioning. Everything, your systems are working okay. You may have some problems, but you're working okay. Y'all thank God for that. You ought to live up to His expectation. Live up to His expectation. Now, let me give you one more thing, and I'm going to be through until the next time I'm talking to you. In Colossians chapter one, verse number sixteen, here's the greatest exploitation exploit I should say in a good way that he has done not just creation listen to this one Colossians 1.16 who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son in whom we have redemption through his blood even the forgiveness of sins we have four things to thank God for and to stand up to him for number one he has delivered us changed us redeemed us and forgiven us those four things are the greatest things personally for you and for me. It's a personal thing where God has done this for you. And for that alone, under the umbrella, under the sphere, under the umbrella of salvation, we have redemption. We have what kind of redemption? 
Um, redemption, Colossians 1 16, He delivered us, transferred us, redeemed us, and forgave us. I'll just say that plus forgiveness. Okay? Now, do you know that of the four things that He has done for you that should cause you to stand up, stand, stand in awe of Him? This probably is the most important one for you and for me forgiveness. Whatever, whatever we have done against him, he's quite able to forgive us when we come to him asking for forgiveness. He can forgive us. Everything that's gross that we don't want to know about, the secrets of the heart, the secrets of your life that nobody knows about, that can be forgiven if you come to him in confession and repentance. That's a great blessing because of salvation. And we should stand in awe of him. The Christ of Christmas, the Christ of Christmas, it's not just about Mary. I saw something, I forget where it was. Instead of saying Merry Christmas, it was this. <laughs> just to make a point, instead of saying Merry Christmas, this, this ad said Merry Christmas. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Merry Christmas is a good greeting. But they changed it to Merry Christmas, meaning Mary is the most important thing about Christmas. Uh, she is not. The most important person about Christmas is the Christ of Christmas. Yes. Consider the Christ of Christmas. Right. Any questions? We'll take a short break. Uh, gentlemen, if you can come back here in about maybe 10, and uh, we have a short prayer time. Ladies can go over here and have a short prayer time. Please make it short. <laughs> All right, let's take a short break.